coming up. What an excellent day for the history of the devil. Part 20. And welcome to another episode of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we normally examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we are still your holy guides on this journey through the history of the devil. And today, we are covering book seven of John Milton's epic poem, Paradise Lost. Last time, you'll remember, we were in the midst of a flashback. Ooh, flashback, flashback in which Raphael was relaying the war in heaven to Adam and Eve. In this flashback, Abdiel returns to God and the good angels to find them already armed for battle. He joins them, and soon they meet Lucifer's army on the battlefield. Lucifer and Abdiel parlay, and Abdiel parlays his fist into Satan's face. And the battle begins. Satan seeks out Michael and challenges him because he's a... Cut above the rest. But Michael doesn't want to mince words with someone <laughs> whose threats are only half-ass. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> so he cuts the argument short and Satan splits. Uh, bifurcate. <laughs> in um, two, we in mean. Two. <laughs> in twain. Uh, twain, yes. <laughs> Uh, the next day, the fallen angels bring out their secret weapon, but this part is purely Milton's invention. It's not canon. <laughs> but whatever the fallen angels have devised, the good angels will move mountains to defend their home, and pretty soon the hills are alive with the sound of fallen angels screaming. They're really making mountains out of molehills, I tell you. <laughs> And this is about when God says, all right, enough's enough. And he tells the son to go out there and finish it. And the son- Finish him. Finish him. <laughs> Paradise lost. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> and so what is the son's fatality before I, uh, oh. I, I interrupted you? <laughs> Good question, Kenan. So the sun rides forth and drives out the rebel angels, forcing them to flee and throw themselves into the pit of hell, newly mm. created. So Raphael ends his tale with the alarming revelation that uh, Satan has since escaped <laughs> and is in their garden. Which is the whole point of the story. You could have said that at the beginning. <laughs> it sh shouldn't that shouldn't it be right? Am I am I am I exaggerating? Shouldn't it be? <laughs> the worst person imaginable has escaped his prison. He's in your garden. Yes. And he's going to try to seduce you into eating from the tree of good and evil. Mm -hmm. Have you had, I don't know, any, any dreams about that yeah. <laughs> happening? Eve, I'm looking at you. <laughs> right. Adam, shut up for, sec for just a second. Right, because Adam is like, oh, tell me more about this war in heaven. That yeah. sounds really, really cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, so I know you just got a call from Freddy Krueger. <laughs> And I'm going to tell you where that call is coming from. Uh -huh. But let me tell you a little bit about Freddy Krueger before he was Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and through the point of view of this other uh, character, Sean Astin character, who you'll never meet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's really important it's from his point of view. Yes. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, his call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> right. But yeah, so so that's where we left off, folks, right? And and in all seriousness, you can imagine the sense of dire urgency, the fear and alarm as Adam and Eve realize they are no longer safe. The horror of the dawning realization that the enemy of God is now their enemy. Mm-hmm. I imagine like Eve is already looking at the exits, right? Uh, she's figuring out the best plan of escape. She's she's calculating how much they need to bring with them, where they could go. Should they go? Should they stay and fight? Maybe they can make like uh, weapons like in Raphael's story. Will mm-hmm. the animals be okay? Mm-hmm. Right? And then she looks at Adam and Adam nods solemnly. They are of the same mind. She can always count on him. And he turns and he says, I just got one question. And Raphael nods. He thinks these two are sharp. They're going to go far. And he says, what is it, Adam? And Adam says, how was the earth made? (laughs) And Eve and Raphael both do that, like, anime crash to the floor. (laughs) Yeah, their heads are just and their feet are up in the air. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a good question for you, Lester. Okay. That I would ask if I was Adam is, Mm. why do we have belly buttons if we were not born a woman? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just I imagine Adam is like the 700th entity to ask God that <laughs> like all the angels are like why so why you, you know it's like why you maybe you know I'm looking at the blueprints and it's like looking at this little curly figure and I notice you got like a you know a little belly button there I was like I know you know the process later but you know these guys you know yeah for the other animals yeah, I, I see why they yeah, have belly buttons you know, you know, it's yeah. just so we don't feel inferior to yeah, you know. uh, to the squirrels who have belly buttons <laughs> and I just like like so Adam asks Raphael that and just like up in the clouds God parts it's it's aesthetics okay <laughs> You're thinking too deeply into it. It just looks better, okay? <laughs> just get off my back. All right. <laughs> Frickin' belly buttons. Yeah, in, in 1,800 years. No, wait, how far apart is Adam from from Jesus? Uh, ooh. Um... <laughs> Raphael's I like, like, I don't know. A... <laughs> I don't know how far you are from Jesus. <laughs> I feel like I should know this. This is a really... These are Sunday school questions <laughs> that for some reason I haven't thought about until now because I didn't go to Sunday school. Uh, I mean, well, anyway. <laughs> I, I know how far we are from Jesus because it's, yeah, it's literally yeah. the year. <laughs> well, that's what I was trying I was trying to say. Like, oh, God is like, we need the belly buttons because in 1,800 years from now, uh-huh. William Blake is going to draw these belly buttons <laughs> and it's going to look really cool. If you yeah. don't have belly buttons, it's not going to make any sense. Yeah, right. Who's William Blake? <laughs> you know what? Tell me about the whole Renaissance. It's like there's a devil. Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah, tell me about him. No, no, no. Yeah. But no, okay, folks, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's first read Milton's argument at the top of book seven. Okay, so here we go. Raphael, at the request of Adam, relates how and wherefore this world was first created, that God, after the expelling of Satan and his angels out of heaven, declared his pleasure to create another world and other creatures to dwell therein, sends his Son with glory and attendance of angels to perform the work of creation in six days. Angels celebrate with hymns and performance thereof, and his reascension into heaven. So yeah, folks. Why can't God just beam this information into their heads? Keenan, <laughs> you're asking some really good questions. Oh, thank you. Good. These are all good questions. Great. That, that I'm sure at some point I thought, and then I was like, 
I I don't have time <laughs> to contemplate the mind of God or even the mind of Milton's God. <laughs> I just want to point out this is this yeah. is three books in a row uh-huh. that is Raphael story time oh, yeah. for Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. This is well, I mean, like, and when we have one and we have one more, folks, after this. <laughs> yes, 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 Spoiler yes. alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I don't I don't know if there's a name for for these middle books. I'm just going to call them the Raphael books. Um <laughs> and they have they have a very distinct uh flavor to them. Um Yeah. Yeah, speaking of well, flavor. Ooh, yeah. Um but yeah, to answer your question, Keenan, I do not know. <laughs> so, yeah, folks, this book, book 7 is entirely about the creation of the world. <laughs> like I said last week, I did not remember this part. I'm actually a little bit foggy from this point forward up until the climax at the tree. And I was wondering last week how Milton was going to fill four or five more books before we get to the tree of knowledge. And I said last week, I don't know what's going to happen in book seven. And Keenan, you said something's going to happen. <laughs> and Keenan, after reading book seven for the show, I partially agree with you. Something does happen in the sense that Everything happens. Everything Everything is created. But also, in this chapter where everything happens, nothing happens. This is... There are no characters for most of this goddamn book. It It is trees and plants and fish and birds and beasts and waters separating and that is it. Now, you say there are no characters. Yeah, almost no characters. Right. But, you know, I have a book version by Penguin that I'm reading. And then uh-huh. I also have a uh, a, a, um, a website at Dartmouth, uh-huh. dartmouth.edu, okay. that has the hyperlinks. And there are, I think, more hyperlinks in this chapter than any of our <laughs> previous ones. Because Milton is saying all, all these all these like, like proper nouns of uh-huh. things that aren't in the story. <laughs> <laughs> so there's hyperlinks in this Dartmouth page that are Urania and Alenian yeah. and mm-hmm. and uh, and um, uh, uh, the divine interpreter and, and uh-huh. what that is and his generation and it, it, so it's full of them. Um, mm. uh, yeah, star S T A R R capital S and and it's just full of, of those illusions that you warned me about at the beginning and just to, mm. just just skip over those. But right. Then what, but then what is there in here? Yeah. <laughs> in this if, book, you... if I skip over all of these hyperlinks, right. See, and these definitions, then what is this book? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if any of our listeners want to start a uh, a podcast of their own and just go through milton.host.dartmouth.edu <laughs> and, like, you could do an episode on each of these references, exactly, especially yeah. in ba- book seven, like Bella Ralphin and uh, uh, the Thracian bard in Rodope. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, yeah, we don't have time to, to figure out what those are. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, 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 Keenan. Keenan, it, it would not... take us. It would take us the rest of our lives. Yeah, let's let's be honest, Keenan. We both we both spent days researching <laughs> the Thracian bard of what did you say? Uh, 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 in Rodope. In Rodope. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I was testing you there. Um, <laughs> but we we decided that it did not serve our retelling of this story, so we all left right. it out. Right. So so yeah, folks, we did all of this research. We are. <laughs> We are now um, uh, proficient in Latin um, and and classical Greek, and uh, you know, uh, but uh, but we decided for you um, they were going to leave all that stuff. Out. Yeah, we don't want to take away all the joy you have. <laughs> but yeah, so but like no, no, you're exactly right, Keenan. Like if we skip all, over all of this, as I have have foolishly recommended doing, um, what else is there in this book? So what I did, I 
checked back in with Professor John Rogers of mm-hmm. Yale Courses on YouTube, and he actually provided me with some food for thought. Okay. In fact, these middle books, specifically this one, book seven, could be seen as the heart, uh, mm, sorry, let's say uh, the gut <laughs> of Milton's theology and understanding of God. So let's break it down. Milton begins this book by calling upon another muse. Uh, remember, he has called upon the Holy Spirit in the first book. Uh, we, we assume it's either the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God or some uh, a spirit related to God. Um, he called upon light in the third book, and now he is calling upon Urania, who is an actual muse in Greek mythology. And you might think at first, it's like, okay, now, now it's just straight up copying the Greek epics. Like <laughs> this, you know, this isn't even an homage anymore. He's literally calling upon one of the muses. However, take note that in writing his epic poem, Milton does not call upon Calliope, the muse of epic poetry. Instead, he very pointedly calls upon Urania, the muse of science. And I think I'm finally starting to understand what Milton meant when he said he's trying to justify the ways of God to men. Not only is he trying to justify God, as we have seen, but he is also, at least to an extent, trying to explain God and creation scientifically. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, this is before people were using the term scientist. Mm-hmm. That, that didn't happen until the 19th century. In Milton's time, uh, they were called natural philosophers. Right. And they were part of the uh, proto-scientists laying the groundwork for the scientific method and other things. Um, so that's what Milton is working with. And he is walking a tightrope in trying to give a natural scientific explanation to God and also stay true to scripture and not blaspheme. <coughs> cough, angel poop, cough. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I just had a, had a, had a, uh, a, a toad in my throat. Well, it was like a toad. <laughs> it was like a toad. But yeah, just press the mic mute button if you have to ever cough. Again oh, oh yes, that. yes, of course, of course. <laughs> that shouldn't I, be in the show. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'll edit it out. <laughs> But yeah, actually, okay, so speaking of angel poop, let's uh, let's revisit that. Do we have to? Yes, for science, I promise. <laughs> for natural philosophy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, folks, these middle books, the Raphael books, so much of Raphael's explanations have no basis in scripture. It's like you were saying, Keenan, mm-hmm. right? Like there's not a lot of scripture in here. And Rogers says, you can see Milton getting more and more nervous the more Adam <laughs> asks Raphael to explain things, which I find that kind of funny as if Milton's like, please, Adam, just shut up. Don't ask him anymore. (laughs) It's like, Milton, you're writing this. Yeah. He's talking to Senor Wences and he's really upset that Senor Wences is saying, saying, yes, could we we ask more about this? And he's like, no, quiet, Senor Wences. (laughs) But you're Senor Wences. Milton, it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. But apparently, it's not all right. And so, yeah, so Milton finds himself turning to science or natural philosophy, as it was called back then, um, with these metaphors of digestion and excretion and circulation and all that stuff. And now I think back to the angel poop and I'm like, oh, 
that wasn't just a weird little fancy Milton had. He's trying to explain angels using the latest theories of natural philosophy. He believes natural philosophy has advanced to a point where it can maybe explain God and the physiology of angels. So that's what he's doing. And it doesn't stop at angel poop. Um, Professor Rogers says that nearly every important event in Paradise Lost is represented as a process of digestion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the, like, like digestion? No. Or <laughs> as all digestion? Of it, all of it is digestion. You got Adam and Eve digesting all the knowledge that Raphael imparts, right? Okay. Raphael even says at one point, he says, knowledge is as food. Mm-hmm. And also remember, Raphael has that moment of uh, pontification where he theorizes that Adam and Eve will... I guess, like, reverse digest into airy spirits and they will become angels and ascend to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't He doesn't know how this is going to happen. And this is, you know, before the need for, like, a redeemer. So, so he's just assuming that they're eventually going to, like, purge their humanity and mm-hmm. become angels and float up to heaven, right? right? And then, of course, we have the excretion of the rebel angels from heaven. Um, I, you know... And, and even later in the poem, we get a vision of the last judgment and the end of mm-hmm. days where the saved will be assimilated into the body of God and the damned will be purged. Okay. So, you know, and this is, you know, folks, you know, Yale courses, <laughs> Professor John Rogers. <laughs> I'm not, and, and I'm not throwing him under the bus. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm running with this too. I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting, but is is yeah. there some other word we could be using instead of excretion? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he, he's trying to make a point, obviously, so he's using yes. that word, but yeah. Sorry, mm-hmm. just as you were talking, it just kept grimacing and uh, <laughs> grimacing more and more, and now my face is just a permanent grimace. Oh, well, there you go, right? <laughs> you know what happens now? You get your own McDonald's. <laughs> you get a Keenan shake. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> People make TikToks about my shakes and how they turn them into demons or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly, right? <laughs> But yeah. Um, oh. I mean, he should be like the Grimace, right? Right. Like the Grinch or the, you know. The Gr- yeah, or the Congress. No, I think it really is. His name is the Grimace. Am I wrong about that? It probably was in the beginning. <laughs> but you know how these things do. Like like when yeah. when the fans take hold of something, they, they make it their own thing, you know? Right. Because he yeah. was a bad guy, at, like the Hamburglar. And the, right. Like, yeah, so the Hamburglar would steal. <laughs> this is the, the dystopian picture of, of modern america in the 70s that right. that mcdonald's is painting is that the hamburger was always there to steal your hamburger and mm-hmm. the grimace was there to steal your shakes and your uh, right. your fries mm-hmm. and um yeah come on down to mcdonald's mm-hmm. <laughs> and giant nightmares will steal your food <laughs> <laughs> and then you had um what was it was it domino's who had the noid the noid he was gonna steal my fucking pizza yeah or was yeah. it was was his whole thing he was gonna make the pizza cold like was that I think I think that was like Domino's like like advertising thing is like we have this new technology this you know basically a pizza uh, bag um, <laughs> that will that will keep the pizza warm right the Noid is trying to dis- is trying to disrupt the deliverer the delivery yes. of the pizza yes yeah 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 and make the pizza cold and yeah 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 and I guess he he's foiled by Domino's yes their secret mm-hmm. advanced technology they're the only ones. Um, with whom the Noid has trouble, right? <laughs> right. It doesn't. It doesn't say in the Domino's commercial because it's a Domino's commercial. But the Noid is like really giving it to Pizza Hut. Like the Noid. The Noid has Pizza Hut bent over a um, uh, 
I don't think there's a proper way to end that sentence. No. Of what the Noid has Pizza Hut bent over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bent over a Cracker Barrel. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess you're right. They, like, they imply that Domino's somehow avoids the Noid with you. Mm-hmm. But they don't mention, do they have a spell? Do, do they have they paid the Noid off? <laughs> do they I just think it's... have a gun? <laughs> they point at the Noid <laughs> just... whenever the Noid gets close enough to the delivery van. <laughs> I think it's just I, I I could be completely misremembering this, but mm-hmm. I think Domino's was the first to like have that kind of like heat insulating like bag that you it's, put. It's a bag. The pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Just a bag they put the pizza in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not going to tell that to their competitors in the average. So they have to invent the idea of the Noid, like like when the British, the British, in the RAF in World War Two had uh-huh. uh, advanced radar. Yeah, but they couldn't tell them. That's why they were finding and then stopping the the German Blitz. So mm-hmm. they told everybody it's because they ate all those carrots. Do you know this? <laughs> so so no, they actually. were like, yeah, yeah. So they were like, oh, the, we have better eyesight. We can see in the dark better than the Germans because our our boys eat carrots. And so huh. they've, they've, they, that's what they put out there because they didn't want to admit that, no, we have better radar and we have new radar technology. <laughs> so then everyone now just thinks that if you eat enough carrots, you, you get you better eyesight. Well, there you go, folks. Hence the Noid. <laughs> yeah. That explains the Noid. Mm-hmm. And that explains um, Milton's uh, uh, fascination with the human digestive system. <laughs> There we it go. all goes back to carrots. <laughs> but no, okay, like we're, we're, we're poking fun, but it's actually not as crazy as it sounds. Okay. Um, okay, well, okay, it is. Um, <laughs> but Professor Rogers provided a little historical context. Um, apparently, people were obsessed with digestion in the 17th century because it was something that seemed to happen without our knowledge or control. They were fascinated by how the body seemed to have a mind of its own and could run all of these complicated processes by itself without our help. Mm -hmm. The body was its own universe with its own laws, chemical laws, laws of motion, laws of physics. And so Milton is taking that and running with it because in this way, he can say that all of creation is happening by itself without the need for God's constant input. So like you said, Keenan, this is God the clockmaker who created the universe, built the laws of time and space and physics and life into it, and then set it in motion and stepped back. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that our body obeys its own laws in terms of digestion, circulation, excretion, um, he says that Milton's God designed this body of creation and wrote the laws of the body and then stepped back, and if the body takes in bad stuff, then bad stuff will happen. And in this way, through this digestion metaphor, Milton is trying to take the blame off God and make his actions less arbitrary and punitive. Hmm. Um, So like this whole thing with digestion and and excretion could be Milton's trying to make the universe a self-governing body, which Hmm. God created and which has its own rules. And that way, when Adam and Eve sin— they're not being punished by God. They're being punished by the body. By sinning, they opened the body to a virus, and the body okay. is reacting. Or they're and, eating the wrong food. Well, I guess they literally are eating the wrong food, aren't they? Yeah. Like, it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's like they are the body, or they have been put in charge of the body. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like both of those things at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And this, and like, so this actually made me think that 
and this is me, not Rogers right now, but mm. this made me think that if Milton were around today, he might get the same point across about like a self-governing system with rules and consequences by comparing creation to a video game. Okay. Where, where God is the game designer and he writes the code for the game and then gives it to Adam and Eve, who are like the game testers, and he tells them, you can do whatever you want in this game. Just don't click on this tree. It'll break the game. Mm-hmm. Which, which then, Keenan, makes me wonder, is Satan a bug? <laughs> uh-huh. Or a feature? Mm-hmm. But yeah, as we know, there were no video games back then, which is, of course, why everyone was always sad. Um, <laughs> so Milton uses the slightly less fun metaphor of digestion. Right. The happiest people in my life are the ones who spend the most time playing video games. Yes. Right. Yes. If you haven't played a video game today, folks, <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Turn this podcast <laughs> off. No, 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 no. No, don't do that. Don't no, 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 Play, play a video game after this podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, a Paradise Lost video game? There must be something like that. I mean... Probably sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry if any of our listeners have made a Paradise Lost video game. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this poem has, like, traversed through many different types of video games, mm-hmm. right? Like, I can see, like, like there's, there's, like, a Sims or a Civilization yes. uh, video game built into to this poem, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also, like, I don't know, when Satan's, like, trying to... Um, you know, he escapes hell and he's flying through chaos. I can see this as a video game, right? And he asks right. for help along the way, right? He has to, he has to, you know, like death and sin are like his children, but also like the bosses, you know, that uh, you have to, you have to fight before you get out of hell, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I, if if he were, you know, if he were braver, he would have taken Beelzebub with him, and it would be more like Star yeah. Fox, where he's going through mm-hmm. and finding things, but he'd have a little Beelzebub around him, exactly, back, right? But, yeah, but he doesn't. And Beelzebub would be like, do a barrel roll. <laughs> Companion like deer. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that weird little animation where his, his mouth is just going. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, so yes, folks, um, at the top of this uh, book, he invokes Urania, um, the muse of science. She's also the first feminine muse, which Milton has invoked, Okay, which is appropriate in this book all about creation. Um, but again, Rogers says Milton is on shaky ground here. He's trying to be true to scripture, but he is also playing with all of these ideas of science and, or natural philosophy. Um, in this opening to Urania, he says he's afraid of falling off of Pegasus, right? This is the flying steed of poetry, uh, to quote, um, erroneous there to wander and forlorn, right? So Mm -hmm. he is aware that he is in danger of messing up, either by making something ridiculous or something offensive. And Milton begs Urania uh, to outdo Calliope and to spare him the fate of Orpheus. And now this is a reference to how Orpheus was dismembered by the followers of Bacchus and Calliope, his mother, could not help her son. So Milton is saying, I am also going to get ripped apart, probably, so please protect me and do a better job than Calliope did. And that's why he's not calling upon Calliope, you know, the um, the muse of epic poetry, right? Okay. He's like, you're science. You're, you'll help me better than mm-hmm. she will. So after this, um, that's when uh, we were joking before about how Adam asks Raphael, um, who just finished talking about the war in heaven, <laughs> to now tell him about the creation of the world. Um, and he points to the sun and he's like, we have all the time in the world. The sun seems frozen in place by your voice. Um, it's like he's waiting for you to finish too. And then, Keenan, we cut to uh, Uriel up in the sun, uh-huh. arms folded, right? He's tapping his foot like, yeah, Raphael. 
It's like I'm waiting for you to hurry up and finish. (laughs) But Raphael was ordered to answer all of Adam's questions. And then we cut to God up in heaven and he's laughing with all the angels. Like I told him to answer any question that Adam asked. (laughs) Right. But then he's programmed Adam to have a lot of questions. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, classic God. Um. (laughs) What a cut up. Oh yeah. But no. Okay. So, so uh, actually Raphael says to Adam to be careful in his asking and to not be too greedy for knowledge, which, you know, like all food is best in moderation. So again, comparing knowledge to food. Um, And then there's like good food and bad food, right? And then there's too much food, which I don't know. I I think Satan made this argument um, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, When is is too much knowledge a bad thing? Actually, no. I just thought of some things that I don't want to know. (laughs) So let me retract that. Ignorance is indeed bliss sometimes. But can they eat too much food in, in paradise? Yeah, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm still like thinking of like paradise equaling perfection, and and right, and we haven't invented sin yet because it hasn't happened, mm-hmm. so they can't really overeat, or or, or they just wouldn't overeat. Yeah, they yeah. just knew See, their natural. But like, I, I can't, I can't perceive of that. This is, I mean, and and Rogers has pointed this out um, before in our last book, right? Milton is given the the impossible task of describing mm-hmm. an unfallen world. Mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. fallen language mm-hmm. you know like like he's he, you know like in this story he's he's talking about yeah adam and eve overeating which they wouldn't do if right. this was true paradise right right and he's talking about like he's he's telling adam and eve about the war in heaven and he's explaining weapons of war mm-hmm. to them but like he's not he's he's not even explaining weapons of war he's using weapons of war as the closest thing that adam and eve will understand because they right. wouldn't understand the the angelic things right. right but again milton they wouldn't understand weapons of war either mm-hmm. right so there's it's this big kind of like problem that milton i don't think i don't think anybody can can really get past that it's like we're we are already fallen we think the way that fallen people do we have sickness we have overeating we have weapons of war mm-hmm. we have pain we have death and every like everything we do and everything we say is informed by these these uh, things which have crept into our world right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah then them's the them's the breaks <laughs> um but yeah so so Raphael agrees he's going to you know tell the story but he's like he's like yeah don't get too too greedy with uh with knowledge right, right. um and then he picks up pretty much where he left off in the first story, right? The son has just returned to heaven and is standing before God who praises him and announces that he will create a new world and a new creature, which he will eventually repopulate the third of heaven that they lost, Mm -hmm. right? And earth and heaven will become one. And he orders the son to go out and oversee the creation. Um, And then Milton slash Raphael says that as soon as God made the decree, it had already happened. Mm-hmm. It was it was done. Immediate are the acts of God, more swift than time or motion. But to human ears cannot without process of speech be told, so told as earthly notion can receive. Mm-hmm. So Raphael relaying the story to Adam is slower than the actual act of creation. Right. That's what I'm right. talking about. I think instantaneous. We can just make right. these things happen instantaneous and just tell yeah. them as they happen. That, that's, mm-hmm. And Milton yeah. is aware of that. Yeah. So do that. 
I did. <laughs> right. Well, Keenan, then then we wouldn't have, uh, you know, book seven. Oh, hey. mm. I want my pizza in instantaneous <laughs> or less. <laughs> instantaneous or less, or 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 it's free. Or it's free. Yeah. <laughs> instantaneous or less, or it is, or the, or the or the pizza man is damned to eternal Tartarian. <laughs> fire oh jeez but the pizza will be warm <laughs> yeah Malak will keep it warm for you yeah right? that's one way to avoid the noid <laughs> but yeah so you know in heaven there is much rejoicing mm-hmm. and the sun rides out of heaven in God's chariot accompanied by a, a bajillion angels mm-hmm. right I'm not even like that's not even an exaggeration because it's an infinite number that's what that's what the, the poem actually says infinite angels mm-hmm. and they all come to the edge of chaos and they look down into the abyss and just like before it's like a, a stormy sky and a stormy sea at the same time right just just this swirling chaos right and the sun calls out to the waves to cease and the noise to stop um you know i'm guessing this is like an allusion to you know jesus calming the you know the ocean in mm-hmm. uh you know in in the actual scripture so he calls for the noid to stop no no keenan i said noise <laughs> he calls for the noise to stop right but you know the noid also stops i guess someone gotta stop this noid yeah right <laughs> We spend too much time avoiding the noise. <laughs> we got to confront this noise. Right, right. Take the battle to him. Yeah. Right. Down on toity toid and toy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so so uh, uh, the sun and the angels dive into the center of this uh, this chaos. And chaos, the character shows up. Um, mm-hmm. Quote, for chaos heard his voice. Him, all his train followed in bright procession to behold creation and the wonders of his might. And... I am not sure if him and all his train is referring to chaos or the sun. Because from what I remember, chaos is not happy about creation. I think it, it, I think it must be chaos heard the sun's voice and saw him and all his train follow in bright procession to behold creation. Oh, I, I read it the exact opposite. So I See, don't know. I, I did too. I did too. <laughs> him and all his train. Yeah. Yeah. You are absolutely correct. We are we are reading it the same way because the the way it is written, it sounds like chaos and all his train, meaning mm-hmm. all his court, right, are attending the birth of this new world. That's how I see it. Yeah, which is completely contradictory to like when Satan is, you know, he meets chaos and he's like, "Hey, tell me where Earth is," and chaos is like, "Yeah, fuck Earth. I hate mm-hmm. it. Right. I hate that God created Earth. It's this way." And now in this book, it's like chaos hears the sun and all the angels and i was like oh what's what's going on mm-hmm. and and him and all of the the court of chaos are like gathering it's like oh let's let's behold this this thing right so milton is either writing it in a very confused way or he forgot that chaos was one of the bad guys <laughs> or chaos could be changing i suppose right chaos could be like okay oh. i was i was wrong about this now that i see wait 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the past yes Damn it. <laughs> right. So when he's talked to Satan, that's the future from this. Exactly. Right. Uh. No, no, no. No, but but I see I see what you I see what you're getting at, Keenan. So so it could be like like, oh, what's uh what's what's uh, God doing over there? I was like, right. oh. and and the son is like, hey, hey, come and see, come and see what we're right. doing. And so he's like, Oh yeah. I was like, well, wow, that's uh, that's really cool. And yeah. you know, chaos is he's a good neighbor, right? <laughs> he he's not gonna he's not gonna say anything mm-hmm. while the son and his angels are like digging up his lawn, essentially. 
so he's just going to stand there and be like, oh, what, uh, what you doing? And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to put in a pool. Oh, wow, a pool. It's like, uh, you, you know, I thought, I thought you'd, you know, want to use your lawn for that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead, you know. Um, and uh, chaos is is Rick Moranis. <laughs> right. You know, sure, if you need help with that, you, know, uh, you like, can uh, borrow my wheelbarrow, but you yeah, gotta got to bring your, it back tomorrow if you're able yeah, to. Yeah. You still have my my uh, my weed whacker. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd really like that back, but, uh, you know. Um, so then, so then, you know, the sun and all the angels, they build this rad swimming pool um, and then they never use it. Right. And it gets all like gross and like algae and, and green and stuff like that. And then, so Satan comes by and he's like like the repo man right and he's got his little you know um his, his like khaki uniform and his hat and yeah. his, his little clipboard and he's like hey uh you know uh your 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 payments for this pool are uh, are past due mm-hmm. and chaos is is about to say it's like, oh no 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 no, it's okay I'll do- oh oh wait, actually they're- oh yeah i guess you can tear it down eh? <laughs> right right not, not my pool yeah not my pool right <laughs> So yeah, so I maybe maybe that's what's going on. Maybe you're you're right. Maybe he had like a change of heart, and he's like, you know what? I don't like this Earth now. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, that's that's how we're we're squaring this circle. Yeah, folks. it's a big leap. It's a big square. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Rick Moranis to chaos. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I was I was actually I was actually thinking chaos would sound like this. <laughs> That's a yeah. very active chaos. Yeah, I think Rick yeah, Moranis right. as, as a passive person that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He could be. Well, chaos has like a bunch of attendants. He has mm-hmm. like chance and you know uh, uh, discord mm-hmm. and and other personifications of of confusing words. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Actually, you know what? Sam Kinison <laughs> is chaos. All right. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. This stupid pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then the sun brings out the golden compasses. Um, and if anyone has read Philip Pullman's uh, Golden Compass uh, from the His Dark Materials series, Pullman admits that he got both of those phrases from Milton, mm-hmm. right? So His Dark Materials, that came um, earlier in uh, in this poem, mm-hmm. and now we got the golden compasses, right? But here, the sun is using them to circumscribe the universe. Um, again, we're playing with science and natural philosophy in a way that I actually think is pretty cool. Um, like God or the sun is in his workshop, measuring out the boundaries and the circumference of the universe. Um, this is something that we can relate to, right? God as the builder, God mm-hmm. as the um, inspired creator. I feel like this part would be uh, set to music in one of those like early Disney shorts um, and each piece of creation would have its own like instrument, right? <laughs> With its own little like, like flourish, right? Okay. Am I, am I just imagining that? Was there never like a Disney thing? Well, like, you Fantasia, might be thinking maybe, about, or? not exactly. You might be thinking about Disney's version of Peter and the Wolf. Right. Yeah. Each animal had, yeah, Peter right? but that's like a tradition one. of Peter and the Wolf anyway, right? Like it always. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But that's the only Disney one I could think of that does that as okay. well. Okay. I'm, I, I swear, I must have seen like some kind of visual thing where it's like it's a nonfiction cartoon, meaning that uh, like it's not toot, whistle, plunk, and boom. Maybe where it's cavemen and each of them is like ooh ah ooh, <laughs> and, they, yeah. and and one of them plays a string instrument, one of them plays percussion, one of them plays you know. It was like it was like the creating of something. It was like the growing of of a tree or something like that. It mm. was it was it was nature happening, um, and it was set to like a symphony. Uh, and it was a cartoon goddess of hold on goddess of Disney goddess of spring maybe I don't remember that part we'll have to check well maybe we'll put that in the show notes Uh, yeah I Um, suppose so yeah, but I was actually I was listening to like as I was writing this I was listening to like a bunch of different like classical uh, Mm -hmm. pieces and there is one if I if I can't 
put it in the show itself because of like copyright. I can mm-hmm. I'll I'll link it in the show notes. Um, okay. but it's called it's it's by Gustav Holst. It's Jupiter, the bringer of jollity. And yeah, like that's that's what I hear in my head as creation is happening. The bringer of jollity. I have never heard that yeah. term before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jollity. I like it. Yeah, right. But yeah, so now the sun has measured uh, the heavens and the earth, um, which I think he means like not heaven, but the heavens as in the sky. Right? Okay. Um, but it's still covered in water. There's there's no land to be seen yet, and it's just dark and cold. So then God or the sun takes the Holy Spirit and uses it to infuse his creation with light and life. Mm-hmm. So this is this is line um this is line 234. Uh, on the watery calm, his brooding wings, the spirit of God outspread, and vital virtue infused, and vital warmth throughout the fluid mass. Um, and Milton's characterization of the Holy Spirit is interesting in that it's not so much a character as it is a, a force. Mm-hmm. Rogers refers to it as energy, and the boys at Classical Stuff You Should Know describe it as a, the feedback loop of love between the father and the son, which I like because, remember, we said Satan is caught up in his own feedback loop between you know just himself. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how he's jealous of Adam and Eve, because even though they are literally in paradise, they find another paradise within each other's arms. So now with both God and the Son and also Adam and Eve, another force of goodness and love is created by their love for each other, while Satan is caught in a love-hate relationship with himself. And so Mm -hmm. he is always in hell, even when he's not physically there. Mm -hmm. And that goes with the idea that his punishment is self-inflicted. And all he has to do is admit his feelings for Beelzebub. (laughs) You're way ahead of me, yeah. (laughs) God gave, no, God gave him Beelzebub Mm -hmm. and was like, you need to learn to love someone other than yourself, and then maybe y'all can come back up here. Mm-hmm. But Keenan, Satan thinks the way to win Beelzebub is to wreck God's new project. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Beelzebub is down there in his personal pandemonium, <laughs> binging shows that they used to watch together oh. alone. He's, he's not even sticking to his diet anymore because who cares? <laughs> Satan doesn't notice mm-hmm. or he doesn't say anything. <laughs> you better watch out, Satan. Beelzebub's not going to fucking wait around forever. Yeah, doesn't have all day. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? Better check yourself before you wreck yourself, my friend. <laughs> so what's he watching down there? I, I like, uh, is mm. it cake? Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> There's this reality show on Netflix that is Mikey Day hosts. Yeah, I mean, that, uh-huh. that's, that's, your, that's, the, that's the game show. They <laughs> show you uh, three or four things and you have to pick which one is cake. Right, right. <laughs> and it is surprisingly bingeable. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they're down in hell. So right. I, like this would be like the Catholic version. So it's like, is it a sin? <laughs> and And the joke there is that the answer is always yes. It's always yes, right? Yeah. So it's like you're given the choice, but so it's like, um, you know, telling a nice lie and saying that your wife's new haircut looks great. <laughs> That's a sin. Lying is a sin. <laughs> Stealing a loaf of bread to feed your starving family. It's a sin. Sin. Yeah. Should have been cake. <laughs> yeah, Should have been cake. <laughs> Eating cake. That's a sin. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's watching down there, I think. Or he's watching um, As the World Isn't Yet Turning. <laughs> Previously on As the World Isn't Yet Turning. Yeah. Nothing happened. <laughs> now join our characters. <laughs> Starring 
space dust, <laughs> clouds. <laughs> oh, but this this episode is good, Keenan, because because the waters separate. <laughs> and oh, there's some drama there. And then and then land muscles in, and boy oh boy. <laughs> Land is the evil twin of of water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and those animals show up, and it's like that's that's like the third season where you know they get like a muppet <laughs> is animals. Yes, <laughs> got to spice this up. Yeah, 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 for the kids, right? That's animals are scrappy do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then humans. Mm-hmm. That's that's the jumping the shark. Moment, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the amnesia part. The uh-huh. <laughs> what is all this? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no Satan stuff in here, folks. In the whole book. Like, in the whole book, we yeah. had to put something in there. Right? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Figure out what Beelzebub was watching on TV. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, so now God has infused His creation with the Holy Spirit, which, according to Milton's theology, mm-hmm. means that yes, it was good. Mm-hmm. Remember, in Milton's theology, everything created by God is good. Which is why the next part really confuses readers and also confuses me. So we're continuing with this uh, digestion metaphor. Oh, good. Yeah. Aren't you happy? (laughs) So this is line 237, right? Um, Quote, but downward purged the black Tartarius cold infernal dregs adverse to life. Then founded, then conglobed, like things to like, the rest to several place disparted, and between spun out the air. So, the Holy Spirit has infused this new creation, but also purged from it the, quote, black Tartarius cold infernal dregs. I like that rhythm, actually. Black Tartarius, cold, infernal dregs. Black Tartarius, cold, infernal dregs. Black Tartarius, cold, infernal dregs. Yeah. Mm. But no, this confuses people. Mm -hmm. Like, why are there any dregs? Yeah. Like, why why does there need to be a purging if all things that the Holy Spirit touches are infused with the goodness of God? Like, what is there to be purged? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And again, based on what we know of Milton's theology, there should not be anything in creation that is, quote, adverse to life. Mm -hmm. All things created by God are good, right? Just just inherently good. And evil is just twisted good, corrupted good, right? Which can always be untwisted. Even Satan, who is the most evil thing in creation, has the chance to come back to grace. It's, it's like a coin that has become tarnished, right? It's still a coin underneath, mm-hmm. right? It hasn't changed its molecules, right? Atoms... Atoms never change. <laughs> well, these are all very good questions. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know why are there uh, <laughs> why are there dregs when we've just started creating things? Uh, uh-huh. How come if Eve is made from Adam's rib that's pulled from him, that Eve has the same number of ribs as Adam? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. good. I want to know. Yeah. yeah, but no, like like Keenan, you are asking all the right questions, <laughs> and we should not feel bad for not knowing these things because these are famously confusing mm-hmm. to readers, like mm-hmm. scholars, in, in, in even you know John Rogers has to kind of come up with his own theory, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So yeah, so so what are these dregs? Where did they come from if God created everything and if everything God creates is good, mm-hmm. why aren't they? Mm-hmm. So we're back to digestion, Milton's favorite subject. Mm-hmm. Um, Rogers poses his own theory. He points out that um, 
Paracelsus, who was a Swiss physician um, slash alchemist slash astrologer of the uh, the German Renaissance, um, so he developed a philosophy around dregs, also known as tartar, hmm. as in like cream of tartar, which is uh, the residue, the the um, the sediment uh, produced by wine and vinegar mm-hmm. um, uh, in cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Paracelsus, it was also the uh, stuff that hardened into stones in the gallbladder and the kidneys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the yellow stuff that forms on our teeth, which uh, which Milton would have called tooth tartar, okay, um, or 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 tooth stone, maybe. Um, and so for Paracelsus, if there's anything in creation that can be called truly evil, it is tartar. Um, okay. But then again, we're left with the same question: Where the hell does it come from? Mm-hmm. And Roger says this is the part of Paracelsus's theory that fascinated Milton. Paracelsus says that tartar comes from the food we eat, and it is simply the undigestible parts of the food that stick around on our teeth and or in our kidneys. Mm-hmm. But again, that goes against the idea that all things created are good. So so now we're saying that God is responsible for kidney stones and tooth decay, right? I'm, I That makes sense to me. Yeah. But that doesn't but like, mean that they're good, right? Exactly, right? right? So so it's one or the other. It's, it's either God can create bad things mm-hmm. or... Or he, or he doesn't. <laughs> I was trying to think of the other thing, but it's just the opposite of that. Or, or that, that okay, because the th- the third option, which isn't what uh, Paracelsus or Milton seems to be saying, right, is that um, you have tartar in your kidneys and you have tooth decay, and, and because uh, because you're sinning, that's what gives you kidney stones is sinning. I, I think he is trying to. Say that. <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> but then every well I, well, I guess he would say that everybody's sitting all the time, right? Yeah. Right. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like like even even Rogers's explanation, I'm still a little bit confused about. Okay. Um, but actually I liked this part. So Keenan, I did not pick up on tartar mm-hmm. being another word for dregs. I just thought that Milton was referring to Tartarus. That's what I thought, right. Right, which listeners, you know, we all learned together back in the early history of the Devil episodes. That was the hell reserved for the Titans in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and then it was later adopted into uh, Christian theology as the hell reserved for the fallen angels, mm-hmm. right? Separate for you know, separate from the the hell for humans. And even here in Milton's poem, is is mentioned um, as another name for his hell, and that's what I thought Milton was was doing with these um, black Tartarus cold infernal dregs, mm-hmm. right? Because infernal is in there as well. Right. right. So like, yeah, remember he refers to the council in hell as the Stygian council, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this is after the river Styx, right? And so I thought Tartarus was just another word like Stygian or infernal. Like, and of, and of course now I can only see it as a clever pun, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think he's playing on both of these meanings here. Okay. Right. Yeah. But still it doesn't, it doesn't answer my question about um, where the dregs came from. Right. But it's yeah. sort of, so it's, it is clever, but also accurate. Like having a like, hey, how was your first date in uh-huh. in Hell, Michigan? Oh, it exactly. was it was hellish, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was a bad date, and it's a pun. Yeah, yeah. All right, I had a hell of a time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. I had I had a devil of a time. <laughs> um, she dumped me. <laughs> yeah.
I had to pay for my chili dogs <laughs> by myself. <laughs> they were flaming hot chili dogs. I mean, you know. But okay, so maybe at this point, Milton is feeling that uh, that shaky ground, right? He's he's mm-hmm. strayed a little bit too far with this digestion stuff. So, in an attempt to go back to scripture, he starts off the actual creation with an almost word-for-word retelling of the Genesis version, Mm -hmm. which people have criticized as very dry, very boring, and I'll admit that the language and the poetry of the Bible doesn't match the style of Milton's poem thus far, but I don't really have as much of a problem with this as other readers seem to. Mm -hmm. Um, They also point out, they say, how is Raphael quoting Moses before Moses? Um, Again, (laughs) Well, I, 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 can, I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> he's already been doing. Yeah, we've already been doing that. We've been. Yeah, th- we we send Raphael down because of his relationship with Tobias. Yeah, exactly. Tobias isn't born yet. I I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I didn't bump on that at all. Yeah, you're just so jaded by now. You're just like, <laughs> there's like cannons and, and but I don't know, he's and not, Urania. But he's no, no. But he's not quoting Moses, right? He's just saying this stuff, and then I guess in this world, then Moses writes this down in the same way that Raphael is saying it. Right. He, what if it's like, like the Quran, and it's like, um, you know, it's you memorize it, and you, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you recall this, and this is just how you say it. You can't, like, you cannot tell the story in in um summary or uh, i'm right. paraphrasing it you have to do it in the exact order right but i i i may be wrong mm-hmm. um our, our our jewish uh listeners our jewish friends please let me know if i'm i'm right or wrong about this mm-hmm. but i i thought the understanding was that moses actually wrote the first couple books of the bible oh well, i don't know if, i don't know if milton agrees with that well I mean, as far as like he recognizes it as part of the Bible, like mm-hmm. as the Old Testament, right, you know. Right. Um, but I, I always thought that was like the understanding for both for both uh, the Jewish people and the Christians, that, okay. and possibly maybe maybe even um, um, uh, the Muslim people as well. Okay. That that first part of the the, the Bible, the Hebrew Bible, mm-hmm. um, was was written by Moses, and so that makes it even more weird that Raphael is doing it word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, and and so. I think that is what people are complaining about. Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, for me, like it's apparently a huge criticism. I don't really have a problem with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't have a problem um, with it. If Moses, if Moses got it from God, mm-hmm. Raphael also talked to God. Yeah, yeah. It's coming from the same place, that, right? That's how I read it. Absolutely. Yeah. Plus, plus, it's this cool little um, musical foreshadowing. I think, right? Like, like when the Force theme plays in Episode One, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Or, or we get just a, like a whisper of the Hogwarts theme, mm-hmm. right? You know, so so you're like, oh, what's gonna happen? And then, but like, oh, not not yet, not yet. Right? <laughs> or okay, this is perfect in the Hobbit mm-hmm. movie, right? Which was made after the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Mm-hmm. But you get this little bit of the Ring theme that we all know and love when Bilbo finds the Ring in the cave, and we're like, <gasps> so what part is the Ring theme? Is that uh, or what? Yeah, it? that's exactly. Oh, okay, it. great, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually no instruments; it's just a guy doing it. Right? <laughs> A contest winner who got yeah, to be yeah. in The Hobbit. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's Bilbo himself. He picks up the ring and you 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 hear it first and then you cut to his face and he's doing it. He's like. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. Like, so for that reason, I'm actually okay with this like little um, like like preview of like the words of the of the of Genesis. Yeah, I'm right? okay with that. That didn't bother me. Yeah. 
I don't know why he can't say as much. I was just saying, no, that's not a problem at all. I don't know why he can't say Milton say. And then Raphael related to Adam the story of creation as you all know it from the book of Moses, from you know the way that Moses lays it out in Genesis, and then we could skip all of this text. Well, no, I think I think like this is this was actually part of the book that I that I enjoyed reading. It was <laughs> like like I don't know. I, maybe I am a sucker mm-hmm. for you know allusions to the original movies mm-hmm. <laughs> in the newest iterations of movies, right? Uh-huh. Like when I'm watching when I'm watching um, you know episode what is it three three and you hear you know Darth Vader's theme for the first time mm-hmm. and you're like oh you know like I like that I'm I'm a sucker for that right all right um, I just yeah, don't know why this know. can't just be like and then Raphael see Genesis one through <laughs> through twenty and then <laughs> Raphael's like and then God said let them you know what you know what and he pulls out a book and he's like here. <laughs> He taps him on the forehead. There, you can read now. Okay. Oh, I guess if he went to 20, so I looked it up. So one through four would take uh-huh. you up through heaven and earth. And then, yeah, five is um, the story of Adam. So that would just confuse Adam. Ah, there you go. Right. <laughs> Wait, one through four of what? Of Genesis. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, right. gotcha. Not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I was seriously thinking, I was like, I was like, Keenan said Adam, but he means Anakin. <laughs> I never mean Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so so I I personally think making a call back to let there be light, mm-hmm. or I, I guess a call forward, um, it is not only okay. Uh-huh. I think it's really effective. Okay. Um, seems like Milton can't catch a break. Like he's either too loose with the scripture, uh-huh. or he's sticking too close with it. Like like people just people just need to chill. Right? <laughs> Says the person who has a podcast where he yells at Milton constantly. <laughs> Anyway, um, I also like how he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. Uh-huh. He, he, he creates light first, and then he creates the sun and the moon, but they're like dark and ethereal. And he takes some of the light that he created and fills them with it. And there's also like a bit where he says, all the stars go to the sun for light as if like to a well for water, uh-huh. I- including a star that we're all familiar with, Venus, a.k.a. the morning star, mm-hmm. although he calls it the morning planet, probably to avoid confusion. <laughs> um, so he says, and hence the morning planet gilds her horns. Um, and he's he's referring to how Venus sometimes exhibits a, uh, a crescent phase like the moon when it's like in uh, position at certain angles in relation to uh, the earth and the sun. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like Milton purposely dodged what could have been a really interesting pun mm-hmm. with, you know, the morning star having horns. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He doesn't want people thinking about Satan at all in this book. <laughs> Specifically calls it the morning planet. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's not the morning star. No, no, no. No, 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 but it's a morning planet. It's got horns and wings, and it leads a rebellion against the other uh, planets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and the king and father of all the planets and gets sent down uh-huh. into a void created through cre- uh, through chaos and mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. a tiny planet kingdom down there. Yep, yep, yep. It's a, it's a devil of a tail. <laughs> but it's just about planets. <laughs> Stop having fun. (laughs) But yeah, like in in response to this criticism, um, Milton actually only uses scripture as a jumping off point. Mm -hmm. He he does get really poetical and really beautiful as he narrates the creation, but it's it's like a slow burn, Mm -hmm. um, a slow build. He he starts out with, you know, let there be light, and yeah, it's it's almost word for word, but with each 
phase of creation. We can see him moving away from the very dry, very matter-of-fact language of Genesis and into his own poetic language. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as early as him creating the land and separating it from the seas, he refers to Earth as embryonic, Mm -hmm. uh, waiting to be born, right? And then the land rises from the deep and it's a symphony of action um, with mountains forming and the water is rushing to gather in pools and lakes and rivers and oceans, like like armies gathering under a banner. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the plants begin to grow and he characterizes them. He calls, you know, he, he, he talks about humble shrubs and bushes with frizzled hair and great trees rising as if in a dance, right? That's not in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? You know, and then he gets to the animals and it really is like Milton is learning to run or swim or fly all on his own, right? Listen to this. Forthwith the sounds and seas, each creek and bay with free innumerable swarm and shoals of fish that with their fins and shining scales glide under the green wave, or sporting with quick glance, show to the sun their waved coats dropped with gold, Mm -hmm. right? Or, okay, so here he creates birds, right? Meanwhile, the tepid caves and fens and shores, their brood as numerous hatch from the egg that soon, bursting with kindly rupture, forth disclosed their callow young. But feathered, soon and fledged, they summoned their pens, and soaring the air sublime with clang despised the ground under a cloud in prospect. There, the eagle and the stork on cliffs and cedar tops their eyries build. Mm-hmm. And look how he creates the beasts of the field. The earth obeyed, and straight opening her fertile womb, teemed at a birth in numerous living creatures, perfect forms, limbed and full-grown, out of the ground rose as from his lair the wild beast, where he wands in forest wild, in thicket, brake, or den. Among the trees in pairs they rose, they walked, the cattle in the fields and meadows green, those rare and solitaire, these in flocks, pasturing at once, and in broad herds upsprung. The grassy clods now calved, now half appeared the tawny lion, pawing to get free his hinder parts, then springs as broke from bonds, and rampant shakes his brindled mane. The ounce, the libbard, the tiger, as the mole rising, the crumbled earth above them threw in hillocks, the swift stag from underground bore up his branching head. Scarce from this mold, behemoth, biggest born of earth, upheaved his vastness. Mm. And yeah, in this way, Milton has gone from the very masculine structure of the scripture to this visceral sensual narration where the earth is literally birthing the plants and animals. Mm -hmm. Mother nature herself is taking course, is working independently, unfolding and spreading out throughout the world. That is definitely not in the Bible. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, And just a little side note, folks. Um, We notice Milton mentions behemoth here. Mm -hmm. um, And he actually mentioned Leviathan uh, further down in the water part. He says, there Leviathan, hugest of living creatures on the deep stretched like a promontory, uh, sleeps or swims and seems a moving land. So he has mentioned both Leviathan and now behemoth, two biblical monsters um, in his version of creation. Mm -hmm. But remember, folks, this is Milton. 
who's always trying to explain things scientifically. And I suspect he mentioned these two monsters in the same part where God is creating all the normal animals to drive home a theory that had been going around even before the 17th century, and that is that the writers of the Bible were not talking about monsters, but merely large animals. Mm -hmm. Um, The Apocrypals actually note that the word for Leviathan and the word for whale are the same. And even before Milton's time, people were trying to explain behemoth as an elephant or a rhino or a hippo. Mm -hmm. And so I think Milton is doing that here. He's trying to back that theory by having, uh, quote, behemoth and Leviathan be created along with all the other regular animals. That makes perfect sense to me. That's what, that's what yeah. I might do if I'm trying to square um, yeah, modern natural philosophy and, uh, and what we have in scripture. Yeah, right. But yeah, okay, so, so we've, had, we've had let there be light. We've had the water separating and land coming out and you know trees and plants and animals, right? But remember, folks, creation is a crescendo mm-hmm. right? in Milton's theology. It is building towards a climax. And so here, God creates man and woman seemingly at the same time. Mm-hmm. Raphael's retelling here is a little vague, and it seems like both of them were created at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Neither of them were created from a rib, right? Mm-hmm. Now, later, in the very next book, in fact, um, he's going to tell a different version, oh. which you might think, what the heck? But guys, the Bible actually does that too. Mm-hmm. There are actually two accounts of creation of humans in the book of Genesis, in the Bible, and they are often interpreted differently, leading to some confusion. Uh, so we got uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, 27, right? So in this passage, um, during the sixth day of creation, God says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. This account is like Raphael's first account, right? It's it's more general, um, doesn't specify the process of creation or distinguish between the creation of Adam and Eve. It feels like a simultaneous creation, right? But then you got Genesis chapter two. Um, this is uh, verse seven and then also verses 21 and 22, right? And this describes how God formed Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, right? Later, God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, took one of his ribs and made Eve from the rib, right? Mm-hmm. So that's chapter two. So the existence of these two accounts has been the subject of multiple interpretations over the centuries, mm-hmm. right? Some see them as two separate traditions that were like maybe like woven together in, into the final text of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of them, uh, you know, emphasize different aspects of creation, right? The first is is obviously more egalitarian, right? Mm-hmm. Emphasizing the equality of men and women um, in the image of God. And then the second account makes you know them seem less equal. Uh-huh. Um, and some of, some people view these accounts as contradictory, and others say that they're actually complementary. Um, and it's interesting we have like Milton using both versions in his retelling. Again, it feels like he is trying to explain away all the inconsistencies along with the behemoths and the leviathans, right? So that first account in Genesis is like what Raphael is doing here. Mm-hmm. He's just given like a quick summary. And then later we're going to get like a a a longer version. Right? All right, Milton, find when are you going to get to the belly buttons? Exactly. <laughs> Readers want to know. Right? <laughs> But yeah, so so God tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, um, tells Adam to get to work naming stuff, um, and he warns them both to stay away from the tree of knowledge, for if they eat of it, they will surely die. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, he says, uh, beware and govern well thy appetite. Again, with this, you know, digestion. Um, 
lest sin surprise thee and her black attendant death, which makes us recall the characters of death and sin mm-hmm. back down in hell. Again, it's this weird time paradox where sin and death already exist, but they've not met Adam and Eve, right? Like, like they've not infected the earth, I guess. Okay, help me out with this, though. So when, where does... So just so people... Uh-huh. You, uh, just so they don't judge me. <laughs> there are no quotation marks, apparently, in Milton's time. So when does... <laughs> maybe we should have said that, like, in in book one. <laughs> but so that's yeah. why I'm asking, like, where does Raphael... Is, Raf, is Raphael still saying this? Yes. Okay, so Raphael is, is reminding Adam and Eve about their creation. Even though they were there. Right. Okay. Okay. I just noticed that that's very unclear to me because there are no quotation marks. So he's saying, and that brings us, and that, and then that brings us to, you know, when God had that conversation with you about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right. et cetera. Okay. So and he is saying he's, that. Yeah. He's saying okay. that. Okay. And he, it's like, it's like a, if there were proper quotations yes. here, it would be like a double quotation <laughs> because, because Raphael would say, like, and then remember, God said to you, mm-hmm. now don't eat from the tree. Right. <laughs> so it would be, it would be, you'd have Raphael's words in quotation mm-hmm. marks and then the, like the single quotation mark when you, when you yes, double quote uh-huh. something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, folks, just, just in case you've been confused up until book seven. <laughs> no, there are no quotation okay, okay, marks. Okay, okay. So Raphael is still telling them, but now, now he's telling them stuff that they were present for. Yes. Okay. All right. Hey, just wanted to make sure because I didn't get why he would be telling Adam and Eve things that he was not present for, but they were present for. Yeah. Oh, well, you're going to love the next book. <laughs> because Adam specifically asks for more detail about his own creation. Okay, great. Which he was, yeah, which he was there for. He was for. there for. <laughs> Raphael yeah. was not. Yeah. All right, okay, cool. But I guess, I mean, like, can, can any of us, like, remember being born? No, but we can remember this conversation. If they, if they can't remember the conversation about the tree of good and evil, then what the hell's the point of any of this? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> He's got to remember that. Please, Adam, remember that. Well, Keenan, mm-hmm. Keenan, as we know, <laughs> no matter how many times Adam and Eve are reminded of this conversation, uh. <laughs> it doesn't work. And Adam's Adam. So you're saying you're saying he's he's reminding him too much about this conversation that he had with God. Yes. I'm thinking he didn't remind him enough. <laughs> and so, yeah, so, so Raphael's still, you know, relating this to Adam, right? So at the end of the sixth day, God returns to heaven. And even though Milton says he's not tired, he uses the seventh day to rest. And there is peace in heaven. The father and the son are reunited. And there is much celebration and singing and dancing. And Raphael ends his tale and this book by telling Adam that if he has any other questions... <laughs> To ask them, to which we all say, Raphael, no. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. we have one more book of Raphael talking, and then we get back to Satan. So hang tight, people. So so what? So it's the whole story, and then then Adam is like, what's the difference between a fruit and a vegetable? (laughs) (laughs) Where are the vegetables of the knowledge of good and evil? What uh, what would be the vegetables of the knowledge? Because we like it's. I know it's not like it's apples today, right? For the fruit of good and evil, right? <laughs> yes, right. But people people are speculating it's probably like you know like a pomegranate or something. A like pomegranate, that. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But but like what would be the 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 stereotypical <laughs> vegetable of the knowledge of good and evil? 
I guess like spinach, and you're like, oh, God. You wouldn't want to <laughs> eat <know>? that. <laughs> oh, so what's like the, mm, you like know, a well, you know, you know, I think that's the trouble is that the, the, the quote unquote vegetables that we do like crave are, are actually fruit, like right. cucumbers or tomatoes pumpkins and, yeah. or, or tomatoes, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess a carrot. I mean, people crave yeah, carrots. Like, yeah. no, I, oh, I need a carrot stick. That's and you can, great. and you, it, it, you, you can, you can see your, your eyes will be opened. <laughs> Right. You can see night vision. You yeah. can see the Germans coming. Exactly, yeah. right? <laughs> That's the snake. He's like, yeah, just like these carrots. You see the Germans coming. Eve's like, who are the Germans? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, because of the way we, we record these, that is that is now a call forward several weeks in the future. So oh. Have fun with that, I- everybody. <laughs> 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 We're talking about callbacks that we haven't said yet. Oh, I thought, that was, I thought that was the- It's relativity, baby. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was in this episode. It was the one that we just recorded. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Germans and carrots, folks. <laughs> Here's a little game. See if you can you can find the correlation between Germans and carrots before that episode drops. Right. Yeah, that's like three weeks from now. Yeah. All right, great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's very Miltonian of us. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're uh, you know, we're like we're like a Seventeenth uh, century epic poets ourselves. You know? <laughs> yeah, we did that on purpose. Yeah, Keenan, you're, you're like a you're like a poet, but you don't know wherefore. <laughs> ah, anyway, anyway. Oh yeah, and one more thing, right? You know, this is the seventh book, and uh, you know, um, you know, seven days of creation. So I'm mm-hmm. sure Milton was uh, was playing with that as well. Um, <laughs> oh, that's clever. Yeah, right. Um, but anyway, um, that is all of my notes. Keenan, is there anything else? Yeah, do they cut Adam's hair shorter, or does it just naturally end at that length? <laughs> this is Eden, so uh-huh. their hair grows to that perfect length, and then you never need a haircut again. Great, right? So yeah, the perfect length for her is submissively long hair. I, I guess, according to uh, Milton. Right. Um, oh no, no, no! It's actually according to Satan, who is who you know reviewing Adam and Eve through his eyes. <laughs> No. All right, great. Yeah. That's all I have. Okay. <laughs> it, you know, you can you can tell, um, you know, it's like it's like you know the depictions of Adam and Eve, like you can tell what era they mm-hmm. were, um, you know, uh, like it was painted in by their hair, right? Right. You can mm-hmm. see it's like ah yes, this was this was illustrated. This Bible was illustrated in the seventies, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, this one was the eighties. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, shoulder pads. Yeah. Right. Shoulder pads, but still no clothes. Weird. <laughs> Just like two extra leaves. It's like weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz. And you can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram at Howdy Keenan. Yeah, we got our listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join, and we'll let you in here with us. Thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star ratings on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. We really appreciate it. It's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. Okay, Keenan. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the the power of Is It Cake compels you.
What's the worst thing okay. you could imagine being cake? <laughs> that you didn't want to be cake. <laughs> um, angel poop. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll eat as much angel poop as, as they'll give me if it's cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But of course, um, yes, is is eating angel poop a sin? Oh, yes. Is it sin? <laughs> is it right? sin? Yeah. <laughs> It's heaven dust. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm serious. This is, this is like a sadistically fun game for Catholics. <laughs> we, we've, we've played this game all our lives, right? Right. And you the know. joy of it is that you always lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, telling your grandmother that, yes, I'd love a second serving of her meatloaf. Is it a sin? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you liar. And like, you know, it's like, it's a game show, right? So it's like the big Price is Right, like stage, you know, oh, with yeah, all the yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's just a, um, like a nun's hand with a giant ruler. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> constantly like Flack. waving over the, over the contestants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have to present their knuckles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the audience is like, knuckles, knuckles, knuckles. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And yeah, you, you, yeah. And after each each time you fail and you get hit by the knuckles, the host Wayne Brady, of course, is uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. doing a little song about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's be clear: Wayne Brady in a nun costume. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, working a seventeen-hour shift on Saturday and then nodding off in church on Sunday—is it sin? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it a sin? Oh, uh, is it a sin? Yeah. <laughs> All right. He tries to do something good, but then he gets in trouble again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, tearing out a a picture of Bugs Bunny from a magazine, <laughs> and then touching it when nobody else is looking, <laughs> and then going on to be one of the greatest comic artists of your time. Mm-hmm. Is it sin? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Being confused and slightly turned on by the hag from Snow White. <laughs> oh, you better believe that's a sin. Oh, it's a sin. <laughs> Standing up for the little Protestant boy who's being bullied by your Catholic friends. Is it a sin? Yes, it's yes, a sin. It's a sin. <laughs> Standing up for the little Catholic boy who's being bullied by your Protestant friends. Is it a sin? Yes, Yes, it's it's a sin. sin. 